And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we pray that you would come and speak to each of us here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. It is so good to be with you on this Easter Sunday. I do want to take a moment to thank, as well as the Chancel Choir, our sound technicians every week do a very, very good job of making sure that all of this runs for us. And so if you're ever interested in being a part of that to make sure these microphones work in the right timing, we would love for you to be a part of that. But I do just want to recognize them and the streaming group as well, um, the stream team that helps bring the worship service, not just here in the sanctuary, but beyond these walls, onto the radio, onto Facebook, onto YouTube, and beyond. And isn't it great that this message is not contained or locked within walls. This message of Easter was never meant to be something that was contained. It was meant to be told. From the very beginning, we, are to- we, we hear in the gospel, as we heard today, go and tell. Go and tell. And, it was, and that did not start on Easter morning. That did not start on the day of resurrection. Oh no, it went back much, much earlier than that. It went back to a little town in Bethlehem, a little town called Bethlehem, where something as miraculous as what happened today happened then as well. And you know, the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus actually are two really different stories. There's a lot that they don't have in common. Stop and think about this with me for a moment. They took place in two different towns. Shepherds were at the birth. Guards were at the resurrection. The birth had a lot of angels, a heavenly host of angels, to be exact, is what Luke tells us. And they're singing to glory to God in the highest. But according to this account of the resurrection, there was one angel. And I don't know about you, but I think this angel is way too relaxed for what is going on. This angel is way too chill for what is happening. I mean, there's been an earthquake. He's got the, he looks like lightning. He just pops down from the sky. And what does he do? He comes down. We hear in verse 2. He comes down. He rolls back the stone. And he just sits down on top of it. He's so chill. He's so relaxed and everything. Now, everybody else is freaking out. Look at verse 4. It says, the guards shook and became like dead men. They become stone-faced in, the, in light of this. But the angel is chill. And the angel is relaxed because he's on a mission. He's got one job to do, and that is to tell what has happened. Aren't we all called to do the same thing? When we stop and think about it, we're the ones who complicate life. Life can get complicated. Life is complicated. But at the heart of it all, underneath it all, the foundation of it all, we have one story that we are called to tell. We have one story that we are called to live, and that is that he is risen. He has risen indeed. With all of the differences, though, in the story of the resurrection and in the story of the birth of Jesus, there is one thing, among others, there are some others as well, but there's one thing that we have that they have in common. There is one phrase that is used at the birth of Jesus, and it's used twice here in Matthew's Gospel at the resurrection of Jesus, and it's a command spoken to the witnesses. These are three, today's passage is two of 365 times that this phrase appears in the scriptures. 
And that is the phrase, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. One for every day of the year, except I guess next year when we have leap year on February 29th. We better go searching to see if there's an extra one in the Bible somewhere. One of those others can carry over to that day. But 365 times and twice today, we are told, once from the angel and again from Jesus himself, the resurrected Christ himself. But what I love about Matthew's account, and there are a couple of details I want to bring out of this story today to hold before you and with you, um, to really meditate on. And the first is this. Matthew does not describe the women as being afraid. Yes, he does say that when they leave the tomb, they leave with great, with great joy and with great fear. The word for fear that is used there is more like an awe, more of a wonder, more of a reverence of, and just a, just a splendor of what has just happened, what they have just witnessed. The women do leave in fear, in a holy kind of fear, but we don't hear of them being afraid. Luke and Mark both describe the women as being terrified that day. And that's because when we talk about being afraid, when we talk about being scared or being terrified, do you hear that word being that's there? We take those emotions into our very being. We make them our own. We're controlled by them to the point that we can't see clearly sometimes what is going on around us. And what we, but what we see in Matthew's gospel today is in that moment, those women are not described as being afraid. Look again with me at what happens. The angel has said to them, do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. That's in verse 5. And then in verse 6, he tells them he's not here. He's been raised. Come see the place where he lay. In verse 7, go and tell his disciples what has happened, that he has been raised. He's going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him. So what we see happening here, the women have not become afraid. They are listening. They are being attentive. They are paying attention to what they, they are told to do. And what is their response? Their response is not to cower in fear. Their response is not to run and to hide. No, their response is, as we see in verse 8, that they left the tomb quickly and they ran to tell his disciples. This is important, friends. They are not running from anything. They're running to everything. They're not running from anything. When we're afraid, so often we want to run from that which is terrifying us. But this kind of holy fear sends them running to the one who has everything and more that they need. Sends them running to tell the story that they so desperately need to tell. Earlier in the service, I had planned... Um, and this is always a scary thing to do. I had planned to share a story with the children at the children's moments, and I realized that that probably was not going to work today, that we would probably still be in the middle of the children's sermon right now. But I want to share it with you now. It was something that happened to me just last night that, that, fits, that fits in, I believe, fits into this. And y'all may not find it as funny as the children probably would have, but we'll go with it anyway. So last night, right before uh, going to sleep, I took my dog Isaac Outside, And we went out, and he, um, he was just looking around. He was sniffing. He was looking up at the sky. I, I, hope, I want to believe he was thinking about the resurrection and about, you know, what this week represented. I'm sure he wasn't, but I like to believe that. And all of a sudden, I was aware of something over to my left. I was aware of a presence of sorts, and I knew it wasn't a cat. I knew it wasn't a person either, but I was just aware that something was there. And I looked at Isaac, and his ears were up, and his tail was up, and he was facing the same direction. 
And I turned, and there was the biggest possum you have ever seen by my front door. And I did exactly the opposite of what the women at the tomb did. I screamed, and I am so sorry to my neighbors or anyone who lives in the neighborhood. I'm looking at you right now. I know who you are. Because I just let, I let out this squeal, and I started running from it. I started backing away from, from the possum. And Isaac was running towards the possum. In case you didn't know, it rained this week. There was mud, a lot of mud in the yard. Well, as soon as I saw him running towards the possum, I started running after him. The possum is still just standing there, just terrified with what's going on. And as I ran towards him, I got, I got a hold of him. We both, we, we both got caught in the mud. We ended up falling in the mud. And it was, uh, it, it was quite a scene for Easter Eve. I said, it must be Easter Sunday tomorrow for this to be happening. But in all that moment, the possum did eventually go away. But I stopped and I looked at all of us, and I, at the two of us. He's, he's a white lab. So uh, he was not white last night, though. He was the opposite uh, as he was covered in mud, as was I. And in that moment, it all started coming together. And when I woke up this morning, I was thinking about that because that's what happens when we let fear dominate. And yes, it's understandable. Guys, we're, if you see a possum at your front door, the instinct is to be afraid. The instinct is to react in some way. But Jesus has shown us a better way. He has shown us that, yes, we're going to encounter trouble in the world. We are going to encounter fear in the world. And we have a choice to stop and not and hear his command of long ago do not be afraid do not let the fear send you running from what matters let the fear of god overtake that and send you toward who matters because at the end of the day what jesus cares about is every single person coming to know him as lord and savior and not just being saved so we can get to heaven don't get me wrong being saved so we can go to heaven that's important. That's important. Don't go home today and tell people that the preacher said that's not important. It is. But that's only part of the story. The rest of the story is that Jesus wants us to be his followers. He wants us to be his disciples. He wants us to worship him consistently in spirit and in truth. He cares about every single one of us coming to know him and to be in relationship with him. When he sent the, when the angel sent the two women forth and told them do not be afraid, he was not talking about the present possum fear of the moment. No, he was the angel was, was telling them, you are going to encounter fear in this world. You are, going to be you are going to have opportunities to be afraid. But when that comes, do not be afraid. They take off running, and they, and they are running towards the others to tell them what had happened. They're not running. To, they, they don't know when they're going to see Jesus again, but they know they've got to go and tell the others what has happened. And this is an important detail, friends, because the women take off running. But Jesus never runs in the Gospels. Jesus walks a lot. He's always moving with purpose and intention and destination, but he's not running from anything or to anything. He is now risen, and his followers are running to tell what they had seen. And when they encounter Jesus, this is so important, when they come and they encounter Jesus on the road, listen again to what happens. In verse 8, we hear that they leave and they run to tell the other disciples. And suddenly in verse 9, Jesus meets them and says, Greetings. And they come to him, they take hold of his feet, and they worship him. 
They run, they, they come to Jesus, they draw near to him, they take hold, and they worship him. They're not afraid. They are not, they have not let fear come in. They are overcome with awe and wonder of what they are witnessing. And when they do this without stress, without anxiety, without fear, holy reverence, yes, absolutely. But they do not draw back from him. They draw closer to him. That's what sets us apart, brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus Christ who are not just saved but who are being sanctified each and every day. All of us, what sets us apart is how we respond, responding Jesus' way, responding with our foundation in the word of God. The first thing he tells them is not to be afraid, and then he tells them what to do next. Look at verse 10. He says to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, and they will see me. The last thing Jesus says is, you will see me. You will see me indeed. What we see happen here in this passage is all that matters to us. The command at his birth and at his resurrection are the same. As you run, don't be afraid of what is coming next. Fear of the future will paralyze us if we're not careful. Fear of the future will paralyze us if we are not careful. What the angel and Jesus are saying is you're going to encounter people and words and things that will try to scare you and make you fearful. Don't be afraid as you do what I send you to do. Do not be afraid as you go to do what I have commanded you to do. Those, those instructions, that command of not being afraid, echoes throughout the ages, not just for our present moment, but for all that is to come. Friends, do not let fear dominate your concern about the future, but let us run into the future unafraid, ready to do what Jesus has called us to do. As we wrap up today and we prepare to sing his praises once again, we need to remember as we think back to Christmas, as we think back to that story of the miracle of the birth in Bethlehem and this miracle of the resurrection today, that one of our greatest enemies on these two holy, high holy days of the Christian year, one of our greatest enemies is familiarity. Familiarity. These stories, these two stories about the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus can be so familiar to us that we can slip into an unintentional pride, an unintentional arrogance that we know this story. We've heard this story. We have seen this before. And yes, we have indeed. And it is, it is a story worth knowing. It's a story worth repeating. But there is always something new to be seen. Let us resist that urge to say, I've heard the story before. I know how it ends. Yes, we know how the story ends. But we also need to learn the details of those in-between moments and see. We're, only, we're not going to know this side of heaven all of the story or the whole story. We spend lifetimes getting to know just each other's stories and Jesus's all the more so. So I want to ask you as we close today to zero in on one specific detail that will carry us into the rest of this Easter season. And that is when the women fell down, at his, when the women fell down, we are told that they, that they come to him. Do you notice what they take hold of when they come? And they bow down. What is it that they take hold of? They take hold of his feet. They take hold 
of his feet. The same feet that knelt, that came and knelt and washed the feet of the others. Just three nights ago, we remembered that as he knelt down and he washed the feet of his friends, he gave them a new commandment to love one another. When these two women see Jesus for the first time, they don't grab his hands, they don't grab his face, they don't embrace him in a hug. No, they go for his feet. They're not only telling him we revere you, we honor you, we worship you. They're also saying to him, Jesus, we get it. We get it. We heard what you said. We saw what you did. We will love one another. That's our next step, friends. And let's not be afraid to love one another. Love is scary. Love is overwhelming sometimes. But in Jesus, with Jesus as the one we love from whom all love flows, we have nothing to be afraid. Let this not be the end of the story today, friends. This is only just the beginning. Come near to him. Take hold of the feet that were pierced for you. Receive the gift of his salvation and get up and run toward the world to tell of the good news, both now and forever, through Christ Jesus our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.